Welcome into episode 253 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. That's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental Team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, who is... Uh, currently on the side of the road for the brand, get, getting the job done for the brand. So appreciate Sean as always being here. Yeah, no, nothing says uh, sources say or Kentucky basketball this time of year than me pulled into a restaurant in London, Kentucky, on my way back from Lexington today. So when things start to break and news starts to happen and roster attrition plays itself out, Jack, we've done this long enough now. We always got to be ready to roll, even if I'm in a ditch line somewhere. Oh, uh, unfortunately, that's the case, and that, that's how quickly things move. Because if I recall, the last time that we did this show, we were talking about uh, the the negative side of college basketball and NIL and handlers and how terrible it is trying to deal with all of that because there were several players on this current roster that uh, Kentucky was kind of having to navigate those very difficult waters. Um and a lot of movement has happened since then. The last time we talked, uh, Ugan Onyenzo hits his uh, hits the transfer portal, a decision that we had talked about uh, on this show and hinted at and said that be prepared. It's not going to be a surprise if and when it does happen. It does. It ended up happening. And then on the last show, I believe, was the first time we talked about uh, some movement with Oscar Shibway and how, yes, he was going to put his name in the draft and test those waters. And his goal is to uh, ultimately go pro. But those close to him have kind of weighed the possibility of him hitting the transfer portal, how much money he can make with NIL uh, through that and kind of weighing those options versus coming back to Kentucky, how much money he could make away from Kentucky or back at Kentucky versus uh, going pro. So uh, it's been a very hectic week, Sean, uh, and things are trending in a very positive direction with Kentucky. Uh, I guess we can start with this. Uh, Ugan Onyen, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, if you're uh, listening on podcast or um, re-watching this on our YouTube page, things are trending in the right direction for Ugana Onyenso to come back to Kentucky. There's been a lot of movement behind the scenes, a lot of working and prying and trying to get, at the end of the day, Ugo wants to be back at Kentucky and has always wanted to be back at Kentucky for him personally. And they've been trying to um, make everybody involved with Ugo and his decision feel that same way. And uh, they made some pretty darn significant progress and uh by the looks of things uh we could be getting some news on ugo uh pulling his name out of the transfer portal and returning to kentucky at some point in, in the near future um sean what would ugo's decision to return to kentucky mean for the program and as we're trying to just big picture figure out what this roster is going to look like in 2023-2024 yeah we're, we're probably going to go back and forth here on explaining well, I know I am because, you know, obviously I, I put the tweet out last week that I thought it was a dangerous approach and a dangerous game, or not really dangerous, maybe a risky approach. I can't remember what I worded that tweet a week ago when I said that if you're entering the season next year betting on upside at the five, you could get burnt because I was a little concerned about it. 
But now that you factor in the possibility that Oscar Shibway is on this roster too, alongside Ugo Onyenso, like or Ugo Onyenso, that's that to me, kind of, it, it gives you some security there at that spot. I like that you got the upside, and I like the possibility that you got the All American coming back too. If if that's the way that it plays out. To me, though, it would be big for the program because it was going to be one of those situations where fans were going to get frustrated had he, let's say, he stayed in the portal, played elsewhere. It's going to be another project experiment that did not work out at Kentucky. So I think that if he does indeed return, stays at Kentucky, I think it's a win for the program when it comes to PR and not getting another negative hit with something in recruiting. And I think that you got a guy that's in your program that's uh, committed to being a development piece there and a project that continues to get better and better and a guy that has a ton of upside to his game. I guarantee you, though, no one thought a month ago that Ugana would probably be the top topic of Kentucky basketball's offseason in April and May because everybody just assumed that there was going to be no portal. And then you came out and was talking about it being a real possibility and then look where we are now. But I think when he went into the portal a week or a week ago that I didn't think we'd get here to this point. I guess I just assumed that it was done, he was gone, and there was no play back to Kentucky. Jack, there's just, this just shows you how messy it is. That even, even as messy as it can be, it can still work out in your favor in the end. And that's the the difficult side of all this and, and why John Calipari's job is really freaking hard because – he knows he's there in the locker room. He's there in the offices talking to Ugo himself. He sees Ugo come to him, just putting it out there. He was in tears when those around him said, hey, man, we need to explore the portal and see what other options are out there for you. He was in tears. He did not want to leave. This was never about what Ugo – and that's, I guess, the, the tough part of this, seeing the comments of we only want people that want to be here – I wouldn't welcome Ugo back. Those types of narratives. I mean, if you just go through comment sections and message boards and and social media and all that, uh, that that's a pretty vocal mindset. And like, I understand where that would come from if it was a a guy who personally wanted to get out and explore his options. And if he himself were like, I, I just want to go wherever I'm going to make the most money. But that's just not the reality of this situation. This is outside influences that were trying to make the most of the NIL era and see what else was out there. Back channels, we've talked about it. Other schools have been kind of prying and uh, doing maybe some tampering on their end and just not calling anybody specifically out, but that's just the na- nature of the beast with this, you know, the, the current era of college basketball that we're living in. Uh, that's the reality of the situation. While Ugo himself is saying, you know, I want to be here. I trust the vision. I came here knowing I wasn't going to play where I could develop under Oscar Sheboy and learn the ins and outs of, of college basketball and learn how to be a pro at Kentucky. He's, he's confident with the development and how much he grew in year one. And he really wants to come back for year two. Uh, and I think Kentucky has done a, a, a marvelous job of separating those two things and saying, all right, let's stop focusing on NIL and trying to think big picture with his people saying he made six figures this past year at Kentucky he ain't going to make – get. I mean, he played less than seven minutes a game this past year, Sean, and made six figures. Yeah. So given the platform that he had presented to him as of right now, he wasn't touching that anywhere else in year one. And if he progresses it the way that 
Cal continues to say, said, I think, I mean, he went out and said, I think he's going to be the best big in college basketball next year. If that potential turns into production, the way John Calipari anticipates, the money is going to create itself. And I think that's kind of something that they've had to, uh, a mindset they've had to get across to those around Ugo while just showing Ugo the love that he deserves. And that, yeah, man, like we want you here and we trust your development. It, it UK has done a bang up job. And I think they are going to see the reward um, sooner rather than later. Which tells you John Calipari making those comments, Cal knew that this was the situation. Mm-hmm. that portal exploring options. And, and you mentioned, you know, people being frustrated saying, well, I wouldn't want somebody back if they're not wanting to be here and all this stuff. Well, even if that were the case and they entered the portal and decide to take their name out of the portal and go back, tell me what the difference is really than going and putting your name in the NBA draft and exploring your options exactly. there and your money possibilities. Yeah, sure. You're looking at it and you, it's talking about going to another school, but you're still looking at what your options are financially and what is the best business decision for yourself as an individual player whether that's the portal or it's the nba draft and putting your name in there's no difference in my opinion like you're that's that's the ultimate goal regardless kids that go into the portal are looking for new opportunities to get to where more minutes now you now you got money at play this this it's messy but at the same time like that was a kid who told us in greensboro in that locker room Honest, word for word, what he wanted to do. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. And that yep. just goes to show you there's there's voices at play behind these kids that are influencing things. Some of it can be very damaging. Because let's say on Kentucky's end here that Kentucky would have taken the approach that some people want them to take. Nah. You go, no, no. You don't want to be here or they don't want you here. And that probably happens at places. But that relationship between coach and player is what matters most. The relationship between program and player. It's messy, but this sounds like one that for Ugana, if he does indeed and that news breaks, he got what he wants. Kentucky gets what they want. And that's what everybody was hoping would be the outcome. In that has been Cal's MO to start this offseason and how he has navigated the transfer portal. There's a reason why we haven't seen just this long list of meetings and visits and plans to go all in on these different guys. Kentucky has not seriously pursued anybody in the transfer portal, not once. Every contact that they've made, the the deepest discussion they've gotten was with Hunter Dickinson, and that was just because it was a Zoom meeting set up with – with him, with John Calipari, and, and they've done that with other guys, but it just to and, to show and you that, do that, yeah, you do. You that. There's to. nothing wrong with doing that. You entertain yeah. those guys if they want to have a call with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when you have guys like Ugo, where you know deep down in his heart that he wants to be back at Kentucky, you're not going to recruit over him because of how much faith you have in him as a basketball player. You're not going to just go out and pull in Hunter Dickinson, and it, those it, that comparison is more Oscar Sheboy and how to navigate those waters, and that's a little bit more tricky. And we'll talk about that in a second. But that big picture, the reason why we haven't seen much movement at all, and why those conversations, because Kentucky is recruiting their guys back first and foremost, and they feel really good about their pitches and knowing that. All right, there's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of outside noise. But if we just continue to show these kids that we love them and that we're loyal to them, 
and our vision for them. And we're going to put them in the best position to succeed long-term. We know what we can do with them financially, obviously, you know, we're not going to make any demands and NIL and all that stuff, but we know that we're going to present the best NIL pitch because the proof is in the pudding. Kentucky made more than anybody else out there this past year. The the product speaks for itself in terms of getting guys to the league and uh, just the, the long-term vision guys like Ugo, the high potential guys, like they are confident in their pitch and they just, they've just been just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away at guys like Ugo and just, ignoring the outside clutter and just letting the process play out and you're going to get the reward with Ugo and things. I mean, things are looking good with Oscar as well. It's not a done deal. Again, I, I've said on this show uh, and I'll get your thoughts on this as well, Sean, Oscar wants to go pro personally. Yeah. If money was not an option, if, if opportunity role, all of that was not an option and in, in, uh, in a factor, he he's ready for that fresh start, but he also understands that he's in a really unique spot where he is college basketball's biggest celebrity. So do you give that up right now and know that once that time is, once my time in Kentucky and then college is done, poof, it's over. Now I'm fighting with thousands of other players wanting my spot in my, my position on an NBA roster. Uh, Is it, is now the time for him to take advantage of that? He'd like to, but He's also a smart, a smart individual, and knows that uh, he can make a ton of money by coming back to Kentucky. Or people around him think that he can make a lot of money by going hitting the portal. So it's it's complicated. Well, it's it's another year of life changing money for Oscar if he plays one more season at Kentucky. Like that's let's just say that Oscar never plays a single minute in the NBA. Then what he had earned this past season at Kentucky and what he could earn for another season at Kentucky that's that's life changing money. Whether he just plays somewhere else professionally, overseas, it, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever he earns in the next two years, I mean, that's money that he could really set his life and change his family's life and, and everything. Like, that's that's big time. But I said on here a couple of weeks ago that I thought it was kind of to a point where it was time for both sides to move on. I thought Kentucky was kind of clearly ready to move on. I thought Oscar was ready to move on. A lot of that, though, I was basing off of Ugana's decision to possibly not be on this roster. Because I thought if it were Oscar and Bradshaw together that I thought Kentucky had to look elsewhere, just given that Kentucky hasn't had that rim protector and stuff defensively and Ugo out the door possibly, I wasn't as big on another season of Oscar. But now that you get the Ugana situation coming into play, I am a huge fan of another season of Oscar Sheepway. Just because I don't think that you could find any more security at that spot than you get a two-time All-American, a National Player of the Year, and then a guy with elite upside as a rim protector with a ton of potential. I think Oscar coming back, if that's the case, I think he has to play less, maybe even a little bit of a different role, because I think you're going to have to have Ugana on the floor. Like If he's coming back, he is coming back to play. It's not to do what the, the situation was this year. You got Bradshaw on the roster. Like, that front court looks really good. And then here's why I think that I'm a big fan of it. I don't think Kentucky's lack of success the last couple of years had anything to do with Oscar Sheepway when it comes to the NCAA tournament. You couldn't have the numbers that he had in three NCAA tournament games and it be his fault. I actually lean that Kentucky's backcourt failed on more the last two years than the front court did. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's, it just goes to show that guard play – I think they're getting a huge, significant step up in the backcourt coming in. 
And maybe that's what fixes it. You run it back with your front court, you add to it, and then you get an entirely new backcourt pretty much unless Antonio Reeves decides to return. And I think that Kentucky may have a nucleus and a core there that is built to actually win in the NCAA tournament. And I will add in something that makes me that has changed my mind quite significantly about this whole process and what you talked about uh, just fit and letting guys kind of emerge. And, you know, it's not going to be what we saw this past year. Kentucky has made it clear that, so there was, there was a time that there was a 0% chance that Oscar was coming back. I mean, the number I said on the show was 0.01% chance that he was coming back because at that time it was kind of under the same terms and conditions as last season. And, just in, in terms of expectations and what, how are you going to put him in position to, to be a first rounder? Is he going to shoot threes? Is he going to, you know, how much NIL money is he going to make? It was all of the questions of how are you going to put Oscar Shibway under the microscope and, and, and unlock the best version of himself to, you know, catapult him into the lottery. That was never going to happen, but those conversations have been tr- drastically different. And this offseason started with a kind of a similar mindset of, okay, we're open to coming back, but here's what our demands would be if that were to happen. And not, again, this isn't just Oscar individually. Like Oscar, obviously, it, it's not, again, we've just spent a whole segment talking about how it's not just the players, it's people around them and and the, the yeah. big decision makers with these kids. It was kind of a similar mindset. And Cal said, we're not playing that game anymore. It's done like that's done. We, we, we need to do what's best for this program. We need to do what's best for these kids that I brought in to, to put in their own position to succeed. And, you know, guys like Ugo who played 18 minutes during sec play, uh, 11 of them coming in one game against Alabama. I mean, he played nothing, zero minutes in the NCAA tournament, zero in the sec tournament. That's a kid that didn't get a shot. Now is the time for Ugo to get his opportunity and see what he is. Cal said that he's going to be the best big in college basketball next year. And, and all this, what, what do you have in Aaron Bradshaw? Is he truly the unicorn step out and knock down threes? You're not going to know unless you let him figure that part out. You can't play through Oscar every single touch, the world revolving around a, a, a black hole on offense, the way they were playing earlier on in the year with Oscar. It can't be that. And Cal has made that very clear that there will be no demands, no, uh, guarantees, none of that. So if that's the case and that's something that Oscar can buy into and he's confident he's going to make a ton of NIL money and he's still going to put up his numbers, but this is going to be about a team-first approach that I think if you have a team-first version of Oscar, kind of like what we saw the year before where everything kind of worked around Oscar yeah. and let Oscar just do the cleanup stuff, team can be really, really damn good with, with when- Oscar just a, a complimentary piece instead of the only piece. You you remember that game at Madison Square Garden his junior year when they played Duke. I mean, obviously, everybody remembers it. It wasn't a win. We had no idea what to expect of Oscar Shibway. We had all these comments that he was going to average 20 rebounds a game and all this stuff, and we're like, ah, ha, ha, you know, okay. And then he – that's kind of our, like, whoa, wow. This dude – you know how many times that they played through him that night? Like maybe once or twice? Yeah. If that, he went and just got his. That needs to be the role that Oscar Sheboy plays if he is on this roster next season. There doesn't need to be posting, play through him, giving the ball 15 feet at the elbow. Like, Oscar's not a great passer. A passer. Oscar's not uh, an above-average decision-maker when it comes to double teams. Like, that's not his game. His game is to 
be the dominant force that he is on the glass on both ends, eat up a ton of space and a ton of bodies. And if that's his role, I think you're still going to see Oscar Sheway average what he averaged this year, even if they don't run a single set for him. And if he does that, and Kentucky does some different things offensively, and this backcourt is significantly better, or maybe, I guess I don't want to say significantly better, but more capable of playmakers being involved. I think that you have a roster that could come together and be right there in contention for preseason number one with Duke. Like, we know that that Duke roster with what they got coming back is probably going to be the favorite early on in the season, probably preseason number one, but Kentucky could be right there at number two. If all these decisions play out, you get Reeves back, you get Oscar back, you get Udon back. Like those two teams right there, and we have no idea what that schedule is going to look like. Do they match them up in the SEC ACC challenge? Is there a date at Rupp Arena? Is there a date at Cameron Indoor Stadium? I guarantee you, those two teams play each other next year if those rosters look like that. And, and like BBN uh, recruits only says in the chat, we can't play a new modern offense with Oscar on the floor. I disagree because we saw Kentucky put up what 109 or whatever it was first year he's there where at home against uh, against Tennessee I mean that's when we saw Kentucky play its most modern offense putting up a ton of points and uh, you can play that way you you can have him produce and and put up unbelievable numbers while still having everybody else operate with success around them and and uh, that's my, you know, that's my frustration. And, and I, I truly believe that if Oscar does decide to come back, that's going to be how it has to happen. You, you have way too much talent and ball dominant guys that, that need to be able to create for themselves and, and rock out a little bit for themselves that you, if, if they operate the way they did, or, you know, through about the midway point this season uh, with Oscar, Next year's team's not going to work if Oscar's a piece of that puzzle. So uh, it, it's just got they, – they've got to figure it out. They've got to uh, – if he does decide to come back, it's going to have to be on Kentucky's terms and basically say, you can go get yours where you're going to you, – you'll play, but it, it's not going to be the guarantees. It's not going to be 38 minutes a game because you've got to figure out a way – you got to figure out what Ugana Onyenso is as a basketball player. you got to figure out – you know, Damian Collins is going to hit the transfer portal. That Nothing has changed in that regard, but – uh, you know, how productive can Aaron Bradshaw be? I don't still kind of up in the air about Lance Ware. I'm still expecting him back, but uh, they're going to get somebody else in the portal. Um, kind of that three, four combo forward role. I, I mean, that that's going to come. So uh, they've got to figure it out and it just can't be a one dimensional team with Oscar or else it, it, the, 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 it will struggle. So that, that's my, I don't know if we lost Sean. Steven is, is we, we did. Um, uh, actually, he's just back on. I have a question for you, though, okay. uh, while, while I'm here, and I'll, I'll bring Sean on to maybe talk about it also. But is it possible that Oscar could take a more limited role if he were to come back? Is that something that's on the table? I mean, he's been kind of the guy the last two years, but if he comes back, is it is there, is there a scenario where maybe he t- plays less minutes? I'll let you – I'll hang up and let you guys answer. Hang up and listen. Yeah. <laughs> first – long-time listener, first-time caller. And we have Sean back. Um, I, I'll throw that to you. How much do you think Oscar – again, I don't think it's even Oscar listening to that, but but just big picture everybody involved with with Oscar. I think he'd be receptive to it because I think he's he's grateful for this opportunity. And I think – 
the the off court chemistry and the the locker room issues. I think those were blown way out of proportion all year long. I think there's a difference between guys just not like being best friends and wanting to go bowl together and hang out all the time versus like actively hating each other. Like there was no drama or anything like that in, in, in that regard. And I think a lot of that Oscar kind of took the blame because he's kind of a different person, obviously just his charisma and personality and the way he operates. Um, I think he'd be receptive to that, but it is something to be said about a dude that has been as the, the usage that he's had the last couple of years. It's a lot to ask to, to kind of take a step back as we saw with Xavier Wheeler, literally this whole, this whole season. <laughs> and, and before I answer that, don't ever just leave your phone sitting in the hot sun because it gets too hot and forces a shutdown. So that's what <laughs> happens. So if it looks like the lighting is not as good, it's because the sun's at my back now, but to answer that question about Oscar, Oscar at this point in his career, he is who he is. Even at the next level as an NBA player. Like, if Oscar plays basketball in the NBA, it's not going to be because of something he does at Kentucky next year. Like, there's just – he is who he is. Like, how much can you really develop your game at the age that he is, at the, at the stage he is in his career? This decision, if he comes back to Kentucky, it's based off of money, Right. Not, maybe not even as much as role as it is the opportunity to, to earn that, those, that, those amount of dollars at Kentucky. I think that obviously the, the, when it was brought up about Hunter Dickinson, there was a lot of he was a high-usage guy at Michigan and he would have to be played and used, utilized that way at Kentucky. I think given what Kentucky had the last two years, Oscar had to be used – a lot because I just don't think Kentucky had dudes that could kind of do their thing. Like injuries played a role in that this year. We know we will, we'll have no idea what it would have been if Kaysen would have been able to been full strength the entire time. And the other things that Kentucky went through with it, with injuries, uh, Sauvier Wheeler, that situation, like we don't know what it would look like at the end, but I think if he comes back, I think a lesser role is good for Oscar because I think it, lets him show those things that he's dominant at that might get him a spot in the league. Like, look, if he goes and rebounds 13, 14 boards, there's a place for that in the NBA. Like if, if that's what he wants to do, like there could, there could be a reserve role there. If not, there's a successful professional basketball career somewhere for Oscar with just one more year at Kentucky. It's fine. He can go do that now or he could do it next year, but the money is going to be the reason he comes back. But a lesser role is there. I think that it would be good for both ends because I think Kentucky's got guys coming in in the backcourt and with some, with some other pieces returning that he doesn't have to do as much. There doesn't have to be as much weight on his shoulders that it maybe he looks better in year three than he did in year two, because I'd like to see the version of Oscar, not the player of the year version, but just the way that they used him at times early on that first year. I think that his, maybe his celebrity status and the things that he was doing, Jack probably played into how much Kentucky started using him especially coming back as a unanimous player of the year, there was a lot of pressure on him to live up to that and do it again. That pressure is not going to be there if he comes back for year three. He's not having to live up to year one. It's his third year. He just has to be Oscar. So I do think that a role that is not as significant, you probably see him put up similar numbers, but maybe more efficient in how he does it. Uh, William Doherty and a couple other questions um, about the same guy. Um <laughs> He has update on Jamarion Sharp from WKU. 
yes, Kentucky did reach out to Jamarion Sharp and just kind of feel him out, see what his interest would be, and see if that would be a potential fit. Those contract, those, those conversations have died out almost uh, completely. And Sean, the reason for that, put two and two together, you're getting another seven foot shot blocker coming back to Kentucky for year two. That's not happening. Um, had something unfolded um, th- that led Ugo to stay in the portal and explore his options elsewhere and all that. Uh, I think that would have been something Kentucky would have explored uh, a lot more heavily. But uh, as of right now, that's not going to be the case. Uh, Missouri is probably the likely destination for him, some coaching ties for for him uh, up there in Columbia. So I'd watch out for them, but I don't think Kentucky is going to be a fit. Uh, and then Andrew Bates asks, uh, about uh, can we talk about McKenzie and Baco, who pulls his name out of uh, requests his release from his NLI at, at Duke and Kentucky was one of his finalists the first time around. I, I was told from Kentucky side that they will not be pursuing him. Um, I was told that he actually was kind of interested in coming to Kentucky and Kentucky kind of said, I think we're good. Tell me your thoughts on that because he's a top 10 recruit, Sean, um, kind of a perfect on paper fit assuming Chris Livingston leaves uh, as that small ball four kind of catch and shoot guy that um, kind of fits exactly what you're looking for at that four spot. Do you agree with Kentucky's mindset that, that they want to get a veteran piece? They don't want to add a sixth freshman to uh, the, the rotation. They want to add a complimentary piece through the portal uh, as a veteran um, to kind of complement age with, Young age versus old age. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with the veteran piece. I think that that's the the safer play. Obviously, when you've got what you have coming in, and if you get what you're expecting to return, I think adding a veteran to that makes a ton of sense. But these are the tough decisions, right? Like he leaves Duke because of what's returning to Duke. Well, look at what could possibly be returning to Kentucky. So who's to say that you come in and you, and I don't want to say entitled, but like when you're rated as highly as he is, he's obviously looking for an instant impact role. And that's not at Duke. And it's probably not at Kentucky. And some people could probably look at it and say, well, why don't you take like that guy? Like you can't, you're not getting anyone higher right now. There's no one that's rated better in the portal, but it all comes down to fit. It all comes down to what you feel goes with what you have coming back. And the same thing is this. You don't want to go get him, and then you'd be playing the same card that Duke's being played with ask, letting someone out of their national letter because you don't want to be going, look, you're set. You moved on from that months ago, and you started looking elsewhere, and you feel good about what you got coming back to your roster. And I just think that you write it up and you make it work. Like if you if their front court has Ugana and, and Bradshaw and Oscar in it and whoever else is theirs, then I, I think that you you go with it and you roll with it and make it work. Yeah, it's tough because he is very talented, but he is. At, at, there is a reason that he wanted out of his letter of intent at Duke. And it was because he's expecting a role. He's expecting shots. He's expecting, again, we're kind of talking big picture about what the expectation is going to be for this roster, kind of a team first mindset. All right, we're going to throw out NIL. We're going to throw out. I, I need X number of shots. I need this. I need that. Like Cal does not want to play that game this year with this team. And this is a guy that, I mean, is literally leaving his current circumstance because of that reason. He is very good at what he does, but he's also, 
he's a shot first guy. He's not a great playmaker. He's not a great athlete. He's not a slasher. He's undersized. He's a true six, seven, six, eight that probably needs to be a true four and not a versatile, you know, not doesn't, he doesn't have the athleticism to uh, in the lateral quickness to justify that he is a true pick and pop catch and shoot guy. And it could work on paper, but I've seen him play a hundred times playing with DJ Wagner and, and, uh, Aaron Bradshaw uh, with the, the New Jersey Scholars, uh, and it 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 they don't they didn't win a lot of games as uh, as a group, and for as much talent as they had as th- those three core pieces, you'd think they won they would would have won a lot more than they did. There's a reason for that. It's because you know it, it trying to feed all of those mouths got got difficult. So. Um, trying to adjust with that, and it will obviously help in a college system and all that with with the guys they have coming in. But adding another one of those types of guys uh, just was not going to be uh, the fit. Uh, and I guess we'll kind of transition to that into a couple of people calling Wagner and uh, Darkness, asking the idea how the Livingston situation is going. Uh, Livingston news um, as of this week, Kentucky did talk to Chris and just kind of figured out. Um, what his mindset was and how things were going. He will be putting his name in the draft, um, testing the waters to start with. That should be an announcement that that should be on the horizon and not so distant future. That's what Kentucky's been expecting uh, from the start. He has not explicitly ruled out a return to Kentucky, to Kentucky. Good news. Bad news is people inside the program still expect that when push comes to shove and he goes through the draft process and talks to the NBA teams and has clutch vouching for him that he's going to hear what he wants to hear. And that is, we might not be able to promise you a first round pick, but we're going to get you in the second round. It's going to be a a cushy guaranteed deal, uh, guaranteed money, a solid role, all the things that you can get a pretty darn solid gig in the second round. It doesn't have to be first round or bust. Uh, I think, when push comes to shove, Kentucky expects the clutch factor to win out and him to keep his name in the draft. That is how Kentucky's in. That's my personal gut as well, but I'm still, uh, I still would not rule out the portal, but I, I think his mindset is on sticking with the draft. And I think Kentucky's going to have to find a replacement. How, how frustrating is that though? When you look at what the decisions at Duke where you've got dudes that aren't on the fence that are returning to school. Is that culture? Is that the precedent of when they, because it does feel like I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were talking about that. It feels like Duke has the perfect, like happy medium here. They have the one and done success in the league recently. They've got guys that could go to the league right now and get drafted in the first round lottery picks possibly decide to come back to school and then they hit the portal and they get what they want. And, but at Kentucky, like it feels like to me, like a guy like Chris Livingston goes to Duke, he's at Duke next year. But at Kentucky, he's, I I don't know. Like, and I'm not trying to say like, I just feel like that maybe, I mean, you you saw the DeMarcus Cousins stuff, which it was a right call. Obviously DeMarcus Cousins goes on and, as a and especially given the injuries that he's had later in his career, it definitely was the right decision to go get what he got. But it just feels like that maybe a lot of guys still look at Kentucky as that's a it's a one year deal. 
I need to be in the league. I need to be a professional basketball player, but maybe guys to go to Duke and you see an opportunity to take a couple of years and play there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's an approach from the coaching staff or if that's just a culture standpoint that's kind of been ingrained at these places, but I still feel like Chris Livingston needs more college basketball. I think there's a significant role for him at Kentucky next year. I think he has a lot of areas that he needs to improve. I don't think if he comes back that he's a stud and a star and like a instant lottery pick, but I just feel like that the money through NIL and the role that he could play Kentucky, I, I think that he's kind of the guy that they don't have. And, and I talked to Clutch, like a representative with Clutch that knows how these conversations go. And um, he said that a lot of the criticism that they get is misguided because they just follow what the client wants. Like the client says, Hey, do whatever it takes to get me in position to get drafted. And they say, all right, let's get you drafted. Like let's, let's do whatever it takes to get you in a really good spot in the league. We got more connections than any other agency out there. We have the pull of the most powerful people in basketball. I got you. We'll make this happen if that's what you want. So on their end, they're saying we're not pushing him away from Kentucky. Two clutch guys are actively coming into Kentucky right now and Justin Edwards and Aaron Bradshaw. So to say that it's completely on clutch to force him out isn't necessarily genuine, but it is fair to say that that whole party, the whole camp together believes that clutch is going to be the difference maker and the, 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 deciding factor in him being a legitimate draft pick versus needing to come back to college for another year or hitting the portal for money reasons or whatever. So I guess I wanted to throw that in there just to say that it's fair to use clutch as a crutch yeah. as part of our argument against it. But uh, it, it is just complicated because at the end of the day, Chris came into Kentucky wanting to, and this, this might be culture, this might be overall mindset, whatever, Chris came into Kentucky wanting to go pro. He he told me that at the McDonald's All-American game last year, why did you pick the University of Kentucky? He said, because I want to get to the NBA as fast as possible. And a lot of Kentucky fans said, we need to get guys that don't just care about getting to the league. But it worked early on in the Cal era. You know, when you got so many of them, you kind of, that was the, you were comfortable with with seeing a complete roster turnover every year because you were winning a ton of games and sending them off to the draft. You know, you're getting the, they were having their cake and eating it too. They were having the draft success, but they were also winning a ton of games and making runs in March. The argument is just a little bit cloudy because now the wins aren't as, aren't piling up in the same way. And the kids are still wanting to go pro because they're still recruiting those same guys. So it's 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 really tough, and I, I understand why Cal's in a really tough boat with trying to fill out the roster. Well, for next year. and I, I was just getting at that. You know, you get the news, you know, yesterday with Duke and getting, you know, Kyle back, and you're talking about a a guy that would have got drafted, and it changes the way you view college basketball next year. Like that kid goes back and now Duke's everybody's for preseason number one. And it forces a incoming top 10, five-star recruit out. Like and people are still saying that they're the number one team in the preseason. Yeah. Like that just doesn't, I'm just saying that doesn't happen at Kentucky anymore. Like, you don't, you don't get that, that like 
you don't even entertain it anymore. Like when, when that kid's that caliber, you're like, oh, that kid's done. Like he's going to league. And that's where I was coming from that it's, I guess it's frustrating that it works out there. And that's where I was getting at the perfect blend of what the, the way that they, they put the rosters together. Now Shire has to win with it, but and and that's not no a guarantee. No excuses now because uh, that's a, that's a team next year. That's going to have dudes, but money and NIL is keeping really talented players in college basketball. So the people that was talking and it, it is messy. We saw it with Ugana when it comes to pursuing and kind of, uh, looking at what you could earn in the portal. But there's also a good side of this. It's keeping talented players around a lot longer, which I think is improving the collegiate game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Terry Orca said, I'd like to see Kentucky get Dickinson or uh, Jamarion Sharp. I already said Jamarion Sharp, very, very unlikely. Um, And if you recall, I don't know, Sean, I don't know if you were on this part of the show yet last week, but there was somebody in the comments that was like adamant that, um, Hunter Dickinson would not be an option for Maryland and how Maryland was not interested in their insiders were just absolutely adamant that can, that Maryland would not be an option for them, despite the program hiring his high school coach and having as deep of connections to that area and his high school as humanly possible. Uh, and now today there's reports that, Oh my gosh, in a complete 180, a complete shock of the century, he's visiting Maryland and Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. They're, they're in a great spot for him now. It, it, we, they were definitely not interested last week, and they definitely didn't hire this guy specifically to, to get Hunter Dickinson. They were not interested back then. But now, now they've had an epiphany, and they're very interested in him now. So, uh, And also Georgetown, another school that uh, was rumored as one of the main guys to, to be interested to start yeah. with that apparently didn't have any interest. They're also getting a visit with him as well. Uh, Kansas was making a push. Kentucky did have a conversation with him, but – um, I was told that from the start, Kentucky was very was moving forward very cautiously with Hunter because they got a very real vibe that they were just being used as leverage and just kind of getting an NIL number um, to figure out, you know, other guys that came to Kentucky and how much money they were making with NIL. And um, not that they were he was getting a guarantee because Cal did not give him one, but just using that as a baseline to go to these other schools and say, well, Kentucky is going to get me x number of dollars what's your offer uh in kentucky i I don't those conversations didn't go very far because i think they kind of sniffed that one out pretty quickly that that was the biggest care for hunter and there's a reason why uh maryland is now magically right there in the thick of things so i I do not think that hunter is a fit at kentucky especially considering oscar's still in a position to potentially come back and you get that pr hit too right you get all those reports of scheduled Zoom call with John Calipari in Kentucky, which leverage. then adds value to your recruitment. It adds mm-hmm. leverage, and you can use that and say, look, well, Kentucky's looking at me, and this is a place that I unofficially visited and, and looked at at one point in my high school career. Um, this and this and this at Michigan, I've done this. And, I mean, I, I – I said it a week ago, like when I thought there was going to be no Ugana, and I didn't think there was going to be a possibility of Oscar Shibway at Kentucky again. I, I mentioned that Dickinson's probably the safest bet, given that he's the, the most talented and the numbers that he put up and the experience that he has. So I was rolling with it. Now that I know the possibilities of what Kentucky can have, though, with guys that have been in this program, you roll with those dudes. 
because you do have an upside piece in Ugana who now, if, if Oscar is on this roster, you have something to fall back on. I thought it was a dangerous approach going into it with Ugana as your five and saying, this has to work. Well, now you have some security possibly if these two decisions play out the way that they could, Kentucky has uh, some stability there where John Calipari has options. Uh, so I, I don't know, like uh, Dickinson all from the beginning, it, it was pretty early that we kind of knew that Kentucky wasn't going to be the spot. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing too, Jack, like you have, when it comes to coaching carousel, the jobs aren't the same every single year, right? Like the elite jobs don't always open up. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to the portal. One year, the portal is going to be more elite than it is the other year. And I thought that looking at the portal right now, I just didn't think that there was those clear-cut guys that Kentucky goes and gets that just makes them significantly better than what they could be getting their own guys back. That is the argument. Like, Antonio Reeves, yeah, he ended his career this past season. Sucks. It really sucks that that's kind of the lasting impact because literally he's the reason why they were in that round of 32 game to begin with. They that's he's the reason why they had momentum to close out the regular season. Like Antonio Reeves is a damn good basketball player, and they know that yeah. clearly. I mean, just if you ignore just that final game, he's a really, he scored, really damn good player. He scored 37 at Arkansas and he hit two threes. Really, really good player. Do you like you're gonna have to go recruit somebody else to come to your program anyway? You, why don't you just recruit the guy that you know is really, really good to come back to your university? And they are recruiting Antonio Reeves back. Like, yes, he in an ideal world would go pro if the opportunity presented itself. But the NBA does not believe that he's going to get one of those two-way contracts that would push him out. Like, that's the mindset of if 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 he's going to get a $50,000 Exhibit 10 deal where he's going to be living, in, you know, playing for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants or whatever the team is, like – why would you do that when you're already right there in the thick of things with branding? I mean, he made six figures this past year at Kentucky, not even remotely close to being the face of the program. You come back and make good money while also having another year in John Calipari's system so you know the way he operates in practice. You know his expectations. You know his sets. You know all of the things that it, it takes for familiarity. You get that back on top of just the pure talent that that – risk reward is infinitely higher to me than anybody else that he could find in the portal right now. Unless there was a guy that you, that put his name in the, in the portal and was like, Oh my God. I mean, you gotta go get that guy. That guy hasn't presented himself yet. Certainly not to counter the recruiting factor of getting Antonio Reeves back. So, and I I think that for all of the guys that Kentucky's trying to get back, Oscar, Ugo, uh, Antonio, shoot, even CJ to a lesser extent. I mean, they, his is a little bit more complicated because his is kind of battling the decision to retire and going overseas and just kind of taking a whole different yeah. approach with that. But, but still it's, it's, they really like the guys that they have in their locker room right now. Yeah. You were, you were talking about opportunities like and leaving and where you end up. If anybody knows anything about the G league, it's us. Like we, we lived the G league for about three hours. So uh, that's a good point. That That's a good point. Ashen Hagens talking to him after that game, he had a genuine genuine excitement to talk to a Kentucky media member. And I, I think it might have just been any – I mean, shoot, it could have been a guy with any outlet wanting to really, you know, take a trip down memory lane, talk about him in his glory days and his time at Kentucky where they were rolling and, 
in position. Yeah, the way the season ended sucked with COVID and him personally and the off-court stuff and all that, his suspension and all that. Like, it sucked, but his glory days were unbelievable. Some of his the, – the fondest memories of his life and talking to him, there was almost like a sense of excitement of, man, I, I wish I could relive that. I wish I could experience that. And, and as we're seeing a guy like Antonio Reeves, who has a very similar decision to make, who could go pro and kind of go down that same path while making a ton of money – it's something I know Kentucky has in their back pocket. And I know that's what they're using to, to recruit yeah. Antonio back. Like we just saw you watched well, him play in Greensboro with the Greensboro swarm. Do you want to go down that path? Cause that's what NBA teams think that you're going to go down. It, it, it's tough, but that's, that's reality. Well, and, and you get to this, this time of year, you get the portal talk, right? And you see teams like Arkansas literally reaches out to every guy that goes in the portal. Just about. And you have coaches that approach it that way, but then you have John Calipari in Kentucky who some people's like, well, why is Kentucky being so quiet? Why aren't they why aren't they reaching out to this guy? Why haven't we seen Kentucky link? Even though guys like Antonio Reeves make decisions to put their name in the draft and test the waters, do you really think that Kentucky doesn't know where conversations stand and that they're probably maybe getting that guy back and maybe that's already like something that's openly discussed? It's like, hey, expecting you back here, but you go do what you got to do. Like things like that happen in college basketball too. Like there's guys that go into the draft that, you know, 100% they're coming back. They're just testing the waters. So maybe that's why you don't see Kentucky possibly linked to as many pieces, or maybe with Ugana, John Calipari kind of knew maybe what was going to win out and what the realization was going to be. You don't see the panic that maybe people were looking at. Like I had people asking me like, does Cal not care? Does Cal not care like that he has no front court here? Then there's no five man. Maybe he knew he had two. He did. And maybe that's why, because then the reaction to not going and targeting every dude in the portal was like, I'm not going to waste your time because you're not going to be here. And that's just the, the approach that he took. And could it burn you maybe if something changed? Yeah. But he trusts his guys. And in the end, maybe that plays out and it wins out. Yeah, it's tough. And the, to Cal's credit, again, there's a lot, still a lot of talent to hit the portal. If you go back to the dates yeah. of the best – shoot, I don't think Antonio Reeves hit the portal until the very end of April last season. So yeah. those guys will be out there. You're going to be able to find some, some vet complimentary pieces in the portal at some point. If you, if you get desperate and – uh, again, there's not a single guy in the portal right now as a can't miss guy for Cal. And he knows that. Like Kellel Ware was a guy that was unbelievably high upside, but as I said on the show, did not like basketball. So do you go all in on a guy hoping to kind of just maybe if we unlock his potential and let him become the best version of himself, then we can go after him? Kentucky flirted and you know looked into it but they knew they had another high potential upside defensive minded guy already there kind of for the taking in ugo they knew that they were in an okay spot with him and that they were going to be able to pry and and work on that a little bit so it just think of that whenever the next hot name the, the next shiny object hits the portal and you got to say oh he's a cat 
I know it's kind of a, a meme at this point. It's kind of just a trendy thing to say. But like, if you're being real about like genuine frustration about Kentucky not going after a certain guy that you're in love with, understand Cal's not sitting on his hands. Like he, yeah. there is a method to his madness, and it's because he does feel good about where things stand about getting the guys already on his roster, as we could see. And if you guys are listening to this the next day or in a couple days, whatever. You could see that with Ugo being the perfect example of that. Yeah, and he he kind of knows what his roster is going to look like, and and maybe this is a roster that when it's said and done, let's just put a number on it. Maybe four weeks from now, five weeks from now, whenever I, I don't know. Like it feels like mid May is usually the safest bet when it comes to Kentucky basketball that a roster set because you start having move in dates like a week or two later for for summer and everything. So. Maybe this is a roster, Jack, that returns a lot more pieces than what we initially thought in late February or moving into March. And if it does with what it has coming in, like that, that's the key here. Kentucky has a class coming in that it got what it wanted and it got it wrapped up early. So it gave them the approach that they didn't have to spend the spring recruiting high school kids. Those decisions in that class was wrapped up in the fall the rest of it was just recruit our roster, guys back. Look at the portal. Is this a team that maybe – is this a team that doesn't add anything in the portal? I don't know. Like, it, that's probably a possibility. But, like you said, it all – it has to be – there's not that guy out there right now that you look at and go, yeah, that's you, – you can't miss out on that guy. And this wasn't portal error, but Reed Travis, when he left Stanford, was a no-brainer for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like that was a no-brainer. Go get that guy because of what he had done in the Pac-12, former McDonald's All-American, everything, Pac-12 Player of the Year, whatever the credentials were. There's not that guy that's just out there that's roaming. Oscar Sheboy goes in the portal, he becomes that guy for everyone else. That's the caliber. There's there's not that guy out there that just you look at and say, okay, Kentucky has to go for that guy. Mm-hmm. You just go get your guys back, and then you run it back, and with some new with a new backcourt. Kentucky's class schedule doesn't end until April twenty sixth. The spring semester does not end until April twenty sixth, and that's kind of the case with a lot of um, these guys. Like some of these guys has, haven't even gone home yet to talk to their families. Like they obviously had sit downs, and some of them went home for a long weekend or whatever when the season ended. But uh, a lot of some of these guys hadn't like when I talked to. Antonio Reeves' dad, for instance, he hadn't even seen Antonio since the season ended. Like, he was like, nah, he is class. And, you know, we've talked and FaceTimed and, uh, you know, all of that. But, like, he still has class to wrap up. And, which another thing, Antonio uh, isn't on track to, to graduate quite yet. So that's another, um, he won't be graduating this spring like most seniors. So that is something else to keep in mind that if he does come back, he, We'll be able to wrap up his degree next year. Um, you know, maybe that could push him in the right direction and and back to Kentucky as well. But big picture with not just Kentucky, but elsewhere in college basketball, their academic years haven't ended yet. And yes, everybody's in the portal day by day by day. But as the, the academic years and they go home and talk over things with their families and, and try to just figure out what their futures hold that's when we're going to see a, a lot more names hit the portal and, and weigh their options much more heavily than they are right now. So uh, as crazy as things are right now, they're only going to get crazier in the coming weeks. Um, 
and plenty of other talent is going to hit the portal. It's, I mean, we're seeing a new five, former five-star every single day, former McDonald's All-American every single day hit the portal. Uh, this week in particular was kind of the biggest that we've seen so far. So just be patient. Cal is being patient. He is seeing all the names that you are and weighing all of those options. And uh, I mean, just being totally honest, I had, ter- I had heard that there was even an international player that was that is considering coming to play college basketball in the States this year that Cal kicked the tires on this past week to see if he'd be interested trending heavily the other direction with a different school and uh, another one that has deep, deep, deep roots elsewhere. But he is he's trying. He's kicking the tires on guys. He's exploring all of his options to to I mean, this is a, Cal. This is a really, really important year for Cal, Sean, like a really important year. He can't mess up like he can't he can't take a guy that he thinks you know because he's the latest shiny object he can't eric musselman it and just take every freaking transfer that he sees once they hit the portal because he just likes the idea of it he's he's got to handle this really delicately with the guys that he has coming back with fits and what he wants alongside other guys i mean he's in a really tricky spot because of the magnitude of what next season holds yeah you you cannot mess up the recipe if one ingredient's off, this is not the year to have it. Like you've, you've got to have all your ingredients and everything, and you got to have the perfect cake or whatever you're making at the end of this. It has to look great. Like it has to look great, has to taste great, has to be great. Like you can't, like, can't just look good on paper. What everything has to be perfect. And uh, this is a pretty significant off season. Uh, it's one there though where I, I'm starting to like what it looks like and the possibility of what we could see at Kentucky and uh, what we could be seeing in the summer when they play some basketball games. Like, that's another thing, too. Like, that's going to be a benefit for this team, I think, especially with so many young guys coming in. I think that getting that experience this summer is going to be big for them. And if you have pieces returning, too, that with what we've talked about today and what could play out over the, the coming days and weeks and over the next month, I'm starting to like the blend of what Kentucky's roster could look like next year when it comes to experience and talent and what they have fit-wise. Then it becomes, do you need to go to the portal and get something like you need a 3 and D guy? Do you need uh, a guy that just stretches the floor out? Do you need a veteran guard to go with all these young guards? Do you need another scorer that can come off the bench? Like, do you need an you need added depth at the four or the five? Like, that needs to be the one decision that Kentucky has to make. Get all these other dudes back and then go figure out if you need to add in the portal or if you don't need to add the portal. Uh, Mike will fade it. And a couple other guys, uh, people earlier in the chat uh, asked about any info on the staff. Uh, I believe uh, Kaylee, I believe, asked. Uh, Kaylee C. said, any news on assistant coaches joining the UK coaching staff? She also congratulated me on uh, having – a child coming up, which I appreciate that. Yes, I am expecting my, my wife is expecting a uh, boy in October and we're very excited and, and grateful for that. So thank you for the kind words. Uh, Kaylee, my future uh, point. going to be my future point guard one day. I've already called dibs <laughs> on that one, wherever I'm coaching. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, pre- appreciate the kind words, but what I know about the coaching staff um, conversations are going on right now. A name that has been thrown around, here recently uh, is um, Bill Armstrong at Link Academy. Um, deep, deep, deep recruiting ties in the prep high school circuit and 
um, a really respected assistant coach for a long time in the game. Um, uh, spent a long time at LSU and some other places. Uh, he was the L- uh, associate head coach at LSU and just really respected guy that knows how to get dudes. Um, ton of ties with uh, the high school realm and, and things like that. that. That's not a done deal. And definitely to me, just early conversations, but that is one that a new name that has been thrown around as of late. Um, Derek Kellogg, as we talked about on this show, who I liked on paper, had he replaced, you know, when Bruiser Flint was talking with some schools about taking their head coaching job, that would have been a nice, like, friendly face for Cal to have around who did some really nice things. Um, but he just took an assistant coaching job at, at, at Creighton as a full-time assistant, and that, I don't think that would have been a great fit for Kentucky with what, what they're looking for uh, right now. So not a ton of movement, but movement nonetheless where we're at least getting some new names and i was told i, I said on the show a couple uh, last week i believe that um some creativity cal isn't just going to settle for josh passner right now just because there's familiarity there um josh is still an option but he's he's i think exploring all of his options right now to make sure that the fit is perfect for kt's job and if something help, happens elsewhere building a Rolodex of different guys that would be option two or three and, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, Cal, just as important as this roster is, he knows that uh, staff may be even more important right now. So um, you got to hit a home run, but I I like the idea of Bill Armstrong with Link Academy. Uh, I think he's a heck of a coach and definitely well-respected. I I think there would be a potential fit there, Sean. Yeah, I think so too. And when it comes to roster, we've talked about that and and having a fit. Uh, You got to get the same fit too when it comes to coaching staff. You got to get what you want, what you need, what you're looking for, and just don't go get a guy that you're comfortable with or that you have relationships with or that you know. Like, see what fits and what you need with your staff the same way you do your roster. And uh, I think that's an important decision this offseason, too, who Kentucky adds to the coaching staff and what it looks like uh, when you get to late May or into June when those workouts on campus start. We uh, know that's going to – there's a lot of things still to play out in Lexington that have to come together, but picture will become clear, I think, day by day and week by week. And uh, I don't know what the staff's going to look like, but starting to see what the roster could look like, Jack. And uh, I think Kentucky fans are going to be pretty optimistic, I believe, rolling into the offseason, into the summer, and uh, going into the next season if some things play out the way we expect them to, possibly. Oh, well, news is on the horizon. It's, I mean, maybe by the time you listen to this, the news is already here, but uh, keep your eyes peeled. It's definitely uh, moving in the right direction, and uh, we, we should be getting some um, positive news. It's time where we, we need the first kind of big domino to fall to kind of hopefully push all the other dominoes falling forward from there. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Definitely. Uh, some positivity on the way for the Kentucky basketball program. I, I know my guy, Andy Ludic, he's probably uh, frustrated that we are an hour and two minutes into the show and I haven't uh, addressed it. So again, I'm definitely give a personal special shout out to our friends at myperfectfranchise.net and Andy Ludicky, <laughs> a, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. You might have seen Andy's name on KSR before as he sponsors some of our recruiting coverage. Andy's super nice, great to chat with, and we're really excited to continue our partnership with him. Andy is an experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 10 plus years ago. If you are wanting to find a way out of corporate America, 
or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you always. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Sean, I believe that wraps us up here. Uh, Sean, uh, where can fans find your work? Yeah, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim, KSR Reach, at TV email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time. Next uh, time, some, some news drops. We will be right back here on the YouTube page. Make sure you have li- hit that like button, that subscribe button. The numbers are awesome. We appreciate all the feedback we got in the comment section. A random 4 o'clock. Uh, live show on a Wednesday afternoon and you guys came through in the clutch once again. I didn't give you much of a heads up that we were even doing this, but you guys came through once again. So we appreciate all of our loyal listeners. You guys are the absolute best. We'll be back next time for the Jam Packed Sources Day podcast. We will see you then. 